Okay, brothers and sisters, it's time to take out God's Word and look at it together. If you have your Bibles, we're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, here in just a moment, I'll start in verse 10. As we continue our verse-by-verse journey through this wonderful book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 10, today we look at rewards in heaven. Rewards in heaven. Now, as I was reading our text this week, I immediately thought of a good friend of mine in Lexington. His name's Addison. Addison's an architect. And I sent Addison a text as I was preparing the sermon this week, and I said, Addison, what's the, what's the biggest prize in architecture? What's the biggest prize that anyone can receive, or the biggest reward anyone can see, receive in architecture? And he said it's the Pritzker Prize for architecture. It's the profession's highest honor. It is, in a sense, the Nobel Prize for architecture. And as I was looking it up, here's here's what it is, essentially. It's given once a year to a living architect whose built work has contributed significantly to society and displays talent, artistry, vision, and commitment. The recipients of this prestigious award receive $100,000, they receive a certificate, and they receive a bronze medallion, as well as the admiration and respect of the architecture community. Now, if you don't know anything about architecture, you won't recognize any of the people that won this award, and you won't recognize their work, probably, for the most part. Although you might recognize a few. As I was scrolling through the winners, I didn't know any of the names of any of them, but I, I, had, I did recognize the work of some of them. For instance, in 1983, a man from China named I.M. Pei won the award for his lifetime work. And you might have seen his work at the Louvre in Paris. He designed the glass pyramid. Uh, Now, if you haven't been to the Louvre in Paris, perhaps you're like me, and you have been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio. What in the world does that have to do with the Louvre in Paris? Well, it also has a glass pyramid designed by I.M. Pei. And so he designed both of those. That was the the only works that I recognized in the, the whole list of winners. But it's a reward for for their built work. It's the highest reward that you can receive for your built work as an architect. And in our text today, Paul says, God will reward those who build for him. God will reward those who build for him. And I'm not just talking about salvation. It's more than that. It's rewards in heaven. Let's look at our text today. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 10. Paul writes... According to the grace of God, given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, if you remember, if you were here last week, or if you listened to the sermon last week, Just above our text here in chapter 3, Paul's talking about planting and watering, ministry 
as an illustration of planting and watering. Paul says, I planted Apollos, his co-worker in the ministry. His ministry was more watering. But one person plants, one person watered. And now he switches the illustration to building on a foundation. In verse 10, he immediately goes into, he says, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. And he tells us in verse 13 that the day will disclose the building work that we have done. The day. Is yours capitalized in your Bibles? The day, D-A-Y, capital D, mine is. We're talking about something more than just an ordinary day. Paul says, our work will be tested by fire to see what survives and what doesn't. He's talking about judgment day. Judgment day. And so, in our text, I want you to see a couple of points that Paul makes about what will happen on judgment day and how our work for the Lord will be judged or revealed on judgment day. The first is this. On judgment day, God will give out rewards for eternal life. God will give out rewards for eternal life on Judgment Day. Now, yes, on Judgment Day, He will separate the saved from the unsaved. And on Judgment Day, you will know where you will spend eternity. Now, let's stop there for a moment. When's the last time you thought about that moment and what it will be like? We all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And there will be a moment when he pronounces your judgment for all eternity. And right there, at that moment, you will know where you will spend eternity. And there will be no second chance. Your doom will be sealed right there. Your eternal place will be sealed right then and there. And you will know. You will hear it from his mouth. When's the last time you stopped and spent some time thinking about what that moment in front of Christ will be like? Are you confident of what he will say on that day? Are you confident of the words that will come out of his mouth to tell you where you will spend eternity with no second chances? If you are not, I'm, I plead with you to, to come and talk to me this week, to talk to someone that you know can help you, to get right with God and to know that you are right with God before it is too late. Don't spend another week not having confidence on what that moment in front of Christ will be like. And so on Judgment Day, God will separate the saved from the unsaved, but also on Judgment Day, Scripture tells us, we will give an account for everything we did while on earth. You will give an account before God for everything you did and everything you said while on earth. Now why? Why, why are we going to give an account? We've heard it said many times, and it's true. You are not saved based on what you do. You are not saved by your works. Salvation is by grace through faith, not by works. It's clear from the New Testament. So why... Will we give an account for everything that we have done? Well, part of the reason is to determine any rewards we might receive in heaven. And this is different than the reward of salvation itself. Look at verse 14 with me one more time. Verse 14. 
It says, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation, the foundation of Christ, survives, he will receive a reward. Now, you might read that and think, oh, yeah, of course, the reward of heaven. But that's not what Paul's talking about. How do we know? We know from verse 15. Verse 15 says, if anyone's work is burned up, if anyone's work does not survive, opposed to the, the man in verse 14 whose work survives, verse 15, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved but only is through fire. Do you notice what Paul's saying there? There's a way for your work not to survive, and you can get saved, you can still be saved, and at the end he says, but only is through fire, which is a, a turn of phrase that he uses. If he were writing today, he might say, by the skin of your teeth. That's essentially what that phrase means. Right? But notice that the person in verse 15, his work does not survive, but he's saved. So that means the person in verse 14 and the reward that they get, it's not salvation. It's more than that. It's reward on top of salvation. It's more than just being saved. It's being saved with rewards, with honors. Now, here's a question that might be coming up in your minds. It does in mine. If heaven is a perfect paradise for everyone, what difference do rewards make? How can rewards make that any better? How can you get better than perfect? How can we have a Anything better than a perfect paradise. It seems like everyone who makes it into heaven, even by the skin of their teeth, is going to receive a perfect paradise for all eternity. How can you get better than perfect? And you know what? I don't know. I have no idea. I, I really don't know what this is going to be like in detail. But what I do know is God word, God's word tells us that this is what's going to happen. God tells us that there will be rewards, and that we should seek those rewards, and that those rewards should motivate us here and now. So how's it going to be better than perfect? I have no idea. I don't know how that's going to work. I really don't. But God tells us this is the way it's going to be. And it would be foolish to read all that God's Word says about rewards, and then to think, yeah, you know what, I don't care about that. I just want heaven, and that's fine. Those are the words of a fool not listening to God on this? When, when I was in high school, about halfway through high school, where I went to high school, where me and my wife went to high school, we had to decide what kind of diploma we were going to start working toward, what kind of graduation we wanted. Do we want to just graduate or do we want to graduate with honors, right? And I decided pretty early on that I didn't care. I didn't care about the honors. I could have gone for it. I, I had the aptitude for it. But I told my parents, listen, I don't care. I see those as empty rewards. Uh, all my friends are in the regular classes, not the accelerated classes. I just want to be in class with my friends. I'll make good grades. I'll work hard, I promise. But I just don't care about that. And my parents, to their credit, they said, okay, sounds like you've thought about it. Do what you want. And, and I did. I just gave up that accelerated diploma with honors or whatever. Didn't care about any of the, the academic awards and just wanted to, to be at school, and I did a good job, but I didn't care about that. But this is not like that. Those were, in a sense, empty rewards. But that's not what's going on here. When God tells us to seek these rewards, He's not telling you to seek something that is not glorious and amazing. When Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, He means for you to think about something that's going to be glorious beyond your imagination. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus tells a parable about a nobleman who leaves his country to receive a kingdom, and then he's going to come back. But as he leaves, he entrusts his servants with money. He gives a, a certain portion of money to each one of his servants. The, the portion of money that he gives is called a minna in Luke chapter 19. And 
best we can tell, this means about three months' wages for a laborer. A minna, one minna to each servant. The first servant puts it to work like the master said. He says, here's one minna, go engage in business with it, and when I return, I will hold you accountable. So when he returns, that one servant who got one minna, he says, I put it to work and I earned ten more for you, master. And the master says, well done, good servant. Because you've been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. Sounds pretty nice. Now, when we see this parable, it's obvious that Jesus is talking about his own second coming. It's, it's a nobleman who went to another land to receive a kingdom, and then he comes back to hold his servants accountable for what he left them. So the first one gets authority over ten cities. The second servant that also took one mina and made five more for his master. Well, the master once again says, well done, good servant. You have been faithful in a little. You will have authority over five cities. The third servant hid his one mina and did nothing with it, did not engage in business as the master told him, and the master takes away his at the end and gives it to the one who has ten. But notice the difference between the first two. The first receives authority over ten cities. The second receives authority over five. There's differences. There's degrees in rewards in heaven. Scripture teaches that there will be degrees in rewards. Not everyone will receive the same thing. It depends on our works. In 1 Peter 5, for instance, the very first few verses of 1 Peter 5, Peter starts talking to the elders. And he says, If elders shepherd the flock that is among them and they do it well, when the chief shepherd appears, they will receive the unfading crown of glory. But that's something that's promised to elders, not to everyone. It's to elders specifically. See, there's degrees of rewards in heaven. Believe it or not, the Bible actually teaches that there are degrees of punishment in hell. If you'd like some scripture references on that, I'd be happy to give them to you later if you just get with me and ask me. But there's degrees of rewards in heaven and punishment in hell. And this is why some passages say we will be judged by our works. Do you ever get confused when you read a passage that seems to say we'll be judged by our works and think, why? We're, we're not saved by our works. How will we be judged by works if we're not saved by works? We're saved by grace through faith. Your salvation does not depend on works. And you need to hear that this morning. We can never say that enough. Your salvation does not depend on how good you are, how obedient you are, how, how much you do for God's kingdom, how many seeds you plant or water. Your salvation does not depend on your works. We are saved by God's grace that we do not deserve through faith in Christ. But your rewards, on the other hand, do depend on your works. That's why in Revelation 22, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5.10 we read, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So there are degrees of reward in heaven. And don't be a fool and say, Heaven is enough for me. I don't care about rewards. Jesus is telling you to care about rewards. It would be a fool who does not listen to the words of Jesus himself. Work and build on the foundation of Christ so that you will receive a reward. But we also see something else in verses 12 through 14 and it's this. 
there will be a testing and a revealing of our work for the Lord on Judgment Day. It will be tested to see what survives and what does not survive. Look at verse 12. Paul says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day, Judgment Day, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done and his work will either survive or not survive. It will be tested and it will be revealed. Now don't read too much here into all the different building materials. All right? Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. It, it's a mistake to, to look at those and think, now what does each one of those mean? It has to mean something. Each and every one of those things means something in particular here on earth. It, it doesn't. That's not Paul's point. Okay, that's missing Paul's point. The point is, will your work survive? Will your work survive? Some works will survive into eternity, and some will come to nothing in a moment on Judgment Day. Will your work survive? Now, as we think about this, understand this does not mean that you should quit your secular job and go become a minister. This does not mean all work in the world outside of ministry work is worthless. That's not what it means. That's not the picture that we get of work, valuable work, in the New Testament. Now, the question is, if you have the foundation of Christ, if you have the foundation of Christ this morning, how are you building on it? What are you building on it? Let's think about this in terms of a career. With your career, do you use your career to help people, to magnify Christ, to make money that you can then use for the glory of God and the good of others? Or are you building things that will not last? Think about the difference between a CEO who wants to build an empire for himself and his company versus a CEO who uses his position and influence and salary to reach people for the gospel to better the lives of his employees, to benefit society as a whole. Think of a farmer. Now, in, in one sense, farmers are masters at producing, producing things that will not last. And that's not a knock on farmers. I have great respect for farmers. Jen's dad's a, a, a big farmer. That's what he does for his job. Her granddad was a farmer. Farming is, is noble work, but in, in a sense, farmers are masters at producing things that do not last. But there is a way... For the farmer to do it that glorifies God and helps others. And then there is a way that never moves past the material or the temporal. Think about your relationships with your friends and family and co-workers and neighbors. In your conversations and interactions, are you working for eternal things? Or do you never move past the things that will not last? Let's think about our parenting for those of us who are parents or perhaps grandparents. Is your goal for your kids or your grandkids something that will last into eternity? Or is it your goal for them that they would be a good person with a good job that makes good money and that they'd be maybe good at sports? All things that will not last into eternity. You can be a genuine Christian and spend much of your time on things that will not last for eternity. On the judgment day, many will see that the things that they worked so hard to achieve come to nothing in an instant on that day. Jesus told another parable in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 16, 
It says, And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now I think Jesus' main point in that parable was heaven versus hell. But do you also notice the things that the man works for that come to nothing, that do not matter at all when the perspective is changed and all of a sudden eternity is what we're thinking about. Will your work for the Lord last into eternity? Now finally, I want you to see verse 11. Verse 11 is huge. Verse 11, Paul says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation but Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation but Jesus Christ. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. There are those who build their house on the rock, Jesus says in Matthew 7. And there are those who build their house on the sand. And what happens when the winds come and the storms come? If your house is on the sand, it will be destroyed. It will be blown away. But if your house is on the rock that does not move, it cannot be blown by the winds and the storms of this world. Go deep into your heart with me for a moment. Let's examine our hearts for a second. This is dangerous. This is vulnerable time right here. If you're willing to go there with me, if you're courageous enough to go this deep into your own heart, I ask you to do it with me right now. Go into your own heart. What is the most foundational motivator of your life? And I said this is dangerous because you might get there and not like what you find. What's the most foundational motivator in your life? What gets you out of bed in the morning? When you lay your head down on the pillow at night, how do you define a good day? What gives you satisfaction as you go to bed at night? Why do you go to work? Why do you treat people the way they do? What are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to get in all of this? Is your life built on the foundation of Jesus or is it something else? Paul says these rewards that we've been talking about, these rewards are for those who are building on the foundation of Christ. Building on anything else is hopeless. Now, notice, Paul said... For those who are building on the foundation of Christ, their work might survive into eternity or it might not. For, for those who are building on the foundation of Jesus, their work might survive into eternity. It might not. It depends. But for those building on anything else, God guarantees your work will not last into eternity. You see the difference? 
I'll leave you with Jesus' words from Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 25. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Here in just a second, Dwayne's going to play softly on the piano, kind of like we did during communion. And we're going to have a time of silent prayer and response to the Lord. We're asking every single one of you, respond between you and God. Respond privately to the Lord for whatever He's putting on your heart. I don't know what He's putting on your heart. I don't know the way the Holy Spirit is working on you right now. We're asking every single one of us in here to respond between you and God in silent prayer in the next few moments. And after we do that for a few moments, we're going to give a time where anyone who might need to respond publicly is going to have a chance to do that. But for now, let's spend some moments right now in silent prayer in response to the Lord, to His Word, to our hearts today.